Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo. He is Mitchell Whitfield. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And of course, Mitchell, our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report. Now, Mark, I'm really excited about this next interview because it falls into a category of something that I'm really passionate about. And you, you've heard the term market disruptor, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there are companies that come in and shake up the marketplace something fierce in a good way, letting other manufacturers know whatever the product is, we can do it better and we could do it cheaper, so why aren't you? And there's a company out there putting out an incredible product. The company's Essential. Have you seen the Essential phone? I've absolutely. This, thing, this is one it of is ab- yeah. <laughs> It is absolutely gorgeous. And it's really shaming a lot of companies like Apple and Samsung and LG and, that are, have these inflated price points. And you look at the Essential phone, it is absolutely gorgeous, has the features of any high-end phone you could want. And they're doing it at, at such an incredible price point. I'm kind of curious how they're able to do this. Well, let's find out. Let's bring on our next guest, who is the president of Essential, Niccolo Damasi. Welcome to your tech report. Happy New Year. We're so happy to have you here. Wonderful to be here. Great pleasure. Now, now you heard me use the term market disruptor. Do you think that's fair? Because I think for so long, we're in, a, we're in a time now where people are getting more and more comfortable, unfortunately, with the prices of these devices of, you know, smartphones going up and up. And people think, well, that's the way it has to be. But then you guys come along with the essential phone. You say, wait a minute, we're giving you everything and more and we're not going to take it to you like the other companies are. So you take this as a compliment, correct? No, absolutely. I mean, my, my business partner in this venture is Andy Rubin. Um, Andy's obviously uh, done three tremendous mobile companies to date. He's the inventor of the Android operating system, which something like 86% of smartphones run. Before that, he did Danger Mobile, the world's first smartphone. Before that, he did uh, Web TV. This is my fifth mobile company. Um, I've done a couple of public companies and a couple of private companies, and he and I have teamed up because we see the world, frankly, almost exactly the way you, you just presented it. Um, in the last five years, consumers have seen their choice in the mobile handset market decline. Um, at the same time, you've seen two companies in the world, uh, Samsung and Apple, become not just the most profitable handset makers or consumer electronic makers uh, recently, but some of the most profitable companies of all time. Um, and we think that duopoly uh, has not been good for consumers. We think that innovation has slowed down. We think choice is reduced. And of course, as you, as you rightly highlighted, uh, it's all happened while prices have gone up. So this is the first cell phone cycle where um, you, you, know, you, you saw Apple go to $1,000 or higher. You saw Samsung go to $900. You even saw the Google Pixel go to, I think, $850. Um, and you're spot on that the essential phone is literally half the price of an iPhone, but we offer everything that they do. We have a bigger screen. We're made out of titanium and ceramic, so it's more drop resistant. They're harder materials. We have a magnetic accessory port where you can snap on things like a 360 camera and a range of other things that we're actually bringing out. We have an internal camera. Um, which I would argue, and many of our consumers would argue, does a better job of portrait mode even uh, than Apple does. Um, and so when you stand back from that, you know, your question was, how is that possible? Well, um, part of it is simply not gouging consumers, um, <laughs> and that is a piece of the margin, right? I mean, I always like to joke that if, if Apple and Samsung were banks or oil companies, there'd probably be protests in the streets about how it is that they're forcing people to spend so much money to buy something you have to have. 
Um, so part of it is simply that, which is we can accept a lower profit margin. We don't have to have, a, you know, a whatever it is, a 30 or 40 percent EBITDA margin and a, you know, 70 percent gross margin. Um, we, the other part of it, though, is that we're, we're a much leaner organization. So uh, Andy and I, when I joined, there was probably only 17 people here that Andy, you know, had when he founded it. Today, we're probably only 117 people. And so I always like to say that we have, you know, a thousandth the people and a thousandth the capital that Apple has. Um, you know, we raised $330 million for this business, which is a lot for a startup, but it's literally one thousandth the money that, that Apple has in the bank um, and one thousandth the people. And so we, we, we don't have the overhead that we have to support. You know, we don't have the overhead in the sales and marketing organization. We don't have the overhead in the retail stores. Um, and one of the things Andy and I have been passionate about is democratizing access to innovation. Um, and the way you democratize action innovation is not only in being uh, rapid in your, in your innovation cycles and trying to bring products to market quickly, but it's really about putting you know, consumer choice before profitability. Um, and so we, we've said up front that we're trying to make premium products something that's accessible to, if not everyone, far, far more people by keeping the price point under control and also by showcasing innovation as quickly and transparently as the product's ready. So we're not trying to maximize racking and stacking of units um, and delaying innovation so that we can optimize the supply chain and optimize profitability. We're actually trying to bring things out to market um, and show people the various stages of development um, as soon as they're ready. And, and you know what? I'm so glad people are actually hearing this story coming from you, the president of the company, because in a way, listen, can, you talk about, you know, the Samsung and Apple really dominating the marketplace and really restructuring the way we think of what we have to spend for a phone. And it's really gotten kind of gruesome. And part of the problem, honestly, wouldn't you say is the consumer himself? Because listen, uh, I am just as guilty. Anyone out there who's bought an iPhone or spent close to a thousand dollars on phone, we are part of the problem as well, because we're feeding into this idea that this is the way it's supposed to be and it's really not so part of what you guys are doing and i hope i'm not getting too big in my concept with this is you're really retraining the consumer it's almost like retraining the consumer what to expect for 4.99 what they can have for that price point and that they don't have to go here to get something fantastic they can go here they can come to you guys it really is a retraining of the consumer mentality to an extent yeah i think i think that's a great way of characterizing it at the same time I believe that what you're seeing in the consumer electronics industry is a lot of, uh, let's call it disruption in various categories. And we intend to do this not only for the phone, but also uh, in the home automation segment. So we have a home automation product on our website with a nice round screen. Mm -hmm. um, that's coming out uh, you know, this year. We launched the world's smallest 4K 360 camera uh, you know, last year in conjunction with the phone. We think 360 video is the future uh, of not just video but social media. It's a new. It's a new. It's basically user-generated content VR video. Um, and so when you stand back at this, um, you, you know, I'd say overall, we believe that the phone market is a lot like the car market. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you think about Detroit a hundred years ago, it was the Silicon Valley of the U.S. There was a hundred startups, hundred people trying to make you know different different models. Then you had these, you know, this monopoly established between you know, GM, GM, Ford, and Chrysler. And by like 1945, there were three companies. Now today, there's neither three nor 100 companies. There's probably 13 companies or something like that around the world 
who make you know a relevant profitable business out of making cars but they make cars of course in all sizes models use cases in all of the world um, and the reason why it works is it's it's kind of a staple right every you know many people have cars if they don't own them they rent them if they don't rent them they you know they, they lift uber and they share them etc we think you know phones are the same level of need where developed nation consumers all have one emerging market consumers all want to get one and as you think about the way that a utility product you know tend to evolve you know you go from one model literally the model t when it was a car through to what you have today where there are sport utility vehicles there are sports cars there are smart cars there are minivans right all sorts of different categories of products um, and i think the same thing will happen to to phones and we believe that whilst today there might only be two companies that dominate it, you know, Apple and Samsung. We think that, you know, a few years from today, you're going to end up with hopefully a double-digit number of companies that are relevant, all catering very well for specific sub-segments. And what's going to happen to, you know, something like Apple is I think they're going to be, you know, viewed as a luxury brand. I mean, they're, they're priced like a luxury brand. A lot of the reason why they've been able to command the $1,000 price point is people view it kind of as a status signal, the way, same way they would, you know, they buy, you know, Louis Vuitton bags and so on. Um, and we're here to say that, you know, the Toyota, the Honda, even the BMW, you know, the entry-level BMW, I think is a very, very different place than where the sort of Ferrari and Rolls-Royce market is. You know, one of the things that you talk about and is said about the essential phone is that it's a phone that a smartphone that doesn't become outdated year after year. How, how do you go about doing that when hardware and software have to work so well together? Yeah. So uh, kind of three prongs to that. The first one is that in addition to keeping the price and the margin under control, we're also trying to put in kind of next generation specs. So we ship this phone with 128 gigs of memory standard, right? Yeah. Um, now, even Apple doesn't ship 128 gigs standard. They ship that's 32 right. or 64, right? So that's kind of next year's or even next, next year's, two years out kind of standard memory, I would say, and storage. So we try and use bleeding egg specs. The second thing we do is we, we build durability into the product. So titanium ceramic are expensive materials, but one of the things that people find with their phones is, you know, if you drop them, they tend to break or they tend to deform. And by using, you know, more durable materials, we're not engineering redundancy, right? Most people engineer failure into their products. I mean, look, look Apple's been in the news recently because they've more or less admitted that they kind of engineer product failure <laughs> yeah. and slowing down in yeah. the product, right? Yep. And, and, and by the way, you know, to use my car analogy again, people will remember that the original Volkswagen Beetle was built to last forever, and there's people driving those things 50, 60 years later, right? Yep. You know, if you buy a car today, they don't last 50 years, right? And that's because people engineer redundancy, so you have to buy another one, right? So we don't engineer redundancy, and third thing is that we have this magnetic accessory port, yes. right? And the magnetic accessory port allows you to do five things. You can put power in and out of the device, seven and a half watts either way, so you can charge the phone through it, and you can also charge or power a third-party accessory through it. Second thing that the, the port does is data in and out at USB 3.0 speeds. So that's six gigabits a second of data in or out of the device. Third thing is you can use the phone as a data storage device. So you can actually upload data either to the cloud through the Wi-Fi uh, or through the cell phone connection, 4G connection, or you can actually store the data on the phone. 
And then lastly, you can use the phone as a supercomputer that actually processes data. And so if you think about those five things together, data in and out, power in and out, data upload to the cloud, data storage, data processing, there's almost an unlimited number of things you can do in the accessory market um, that, that takes advantage of those. And we've announced a few things. You know, we have a phone, a, a camera that's already coming with our phone um, if you bundle them. There's a dock coming out. We've announced a Hi-Fi audio DAC uh, on our last Reddit AMA. But if you think about the long term here, um, we intend to have the magnetic accessory port be common to all of our devices. Whether it's a home device or a future phone or the existing phone, it'll be common to our devices, and that means that you'll be able to take your accessories with you. You'll also see approximately one accessory coming out every quarter, and that will mean um, that you have a way of effectively doing ever more with your phone without having to spend even $500 buying a new one. Okay, I have to tell you something right now, and this is a huge compliment to you and your company and what you're telling us right now about Essential, just the way you guys work, the way you guys think, that you don't build planned obsolescence into your products. Mark and I record from two different locations, okay? I'm in Los Angeles, California. Mark is in beautiful Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and we use Skype to communicate when we're actually recording the show in our respective studios across countries and across, you know, lines. So Mark and I are both sitting here with our heads in our hands, just listening and soaking in everything you're saying, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, we have to interview this guy, but I just want to listen to him talk. I don't even want to think about what the next question is. We're taking in everything that you're saying, and I'm absolutely loving it. I, I, I wish we had done this a long time ago because people need to hear what you guys are saying. No, absolutely. And you know, the other thing that you probably have caught on is we, we have raised a fair amount of money for this company, but we're actually putting all the money into the product. So we're not spending the money on you know, expensive TV advertising campaigns. We don't do a lot of marketing. We didn't do a lot of press, to be honest. We probably would have chatted sooner. Um, you know, we're looking to build a sustainable movement here, um, and that movement comes through people like yourselves that you know I think are early adopters and understanding what we're trying to achieve. Um, I have said publicly when we announced the company, you know, on May May 29th last year, that you know Andy and I are here for you know, with a 10-year roadmap. Um, we're trying to do something which is very deliberate year after year. Um, we have some ambitious goals. You know, we're building a new uh, operating system that will accompany our, our home product. And obviously, Andy's got, I think, um, probably the world's greatest chops at making a new open source operating system, you know, work out. Um, but ultimately, we're preserving, you know, capital to, 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 again, you know, put it into what our consumers care about, which is that people generally care about the products, the price point, the value, the quality. That they don't care whether or not you spent a lot of money uh, you know, on billboards and so on. Um, and so uh, we're relying on people who, you know, see what we're doing, understand what we're doing to sort of really spread the word. Um, and I'm delighted to say that, you know, that has worked quite well for us so far, and we see every intention of that continuing. Um, we're, we're not in this this year to say we're going to sell more handsets than anyone else in the market, but I am pleased to report that uh, in our first quarter, you know, we launched about a quarter ago, in our first quarter, I think we've sold as many handsets as, as, as any startup, you know, since Xiaomi, um, who of course is, you know, a very successful business now in China, um, on track to have allegedly a, even a $50 billion IPO um, is what Wall Street Journal rumored. So we think we're very much on track um, as a, a disruptive, uh, you know, startup. We don't have the volumes uh, and don't intend to for, for probably years to come of, of the duopoly that we're trying to disrupt. But, you know, everything starts small, and it's really about doing something sustainable year after year. 
and making sure that you build that base, keep consumers happy, um, and make sure that you know every single person that we effectively recruit to the brand and the product, you know, ends up telling five other friends about it. Well, I think something else you're giving to the consumer, and I'm, and I'm putting myself right now, I'm putting on my consumer hat when I'm listening to you and, and learning more about the company and about the device itself. You're also giving us something that we haven't had in a long time, which is the ability to be present, to enjoy the now, to enjoy what we have now and see the potential that it has for upgradability through, like you said, through different attachments, uh, through software upgrades, but actually being able to enjoy the hardware. Whereas most people right now, when they're buying a device, the first thing they're thinking is, oh, well, I wonder what's going to be in the next one. I wonder, and then, and listen, and there's nothing wrong with looking forward to the next essential phone, but knowing that you're not going to have to buy something six months, eight months down the line to replace what you have, that what you have has some life in it, it keeps people in the present. I think we're, we're in a time now where people are always looking for the next thing and worrying about, okay, so when this goes, what's the next thing going to be? And when you do that, you're not enjoying and investing in the present. And that's something that I think essential phone kind of gives us back. No, I think, that's, I think that's spot on. And, you know, the reality is our, our 360 camera in a lot of ways is tapping into that that presence. Um, I don't know if you if you had a chance to play with it yet, but 360 video is obviously a new medium. It's not about taking a picture of Mount Fuji, you know, two miles out the window, and saying, you know, I will frame that. What 360 video is about is what you, as the the, the viewer, the cameraman, it's all about showing what your perspective is like in the here and now. Um, so 360 is about everything going around on around you, the cameraman, right now as opposed to what, you know, what happened in the past, what's happening far away. Um, and I think that's also something that you're starting to see creep into some of our fan base who are using it on Facebook, use it on YouTube. Um, we found social media partners very, very you know, warm to this, um, not only because we're a company that has a track record of innovation, but also because they recognize that um, VR and, you know, and AR are something that press talks about almost every day, but there isn't a way of doing it for the average person. And so VR video is something which has, you know, $10,000, $50,000 studio cameras for uh, recording, you know, a high, highly, highly expensive professional performance experiences with. But there's no way for the average person to actually say, yeah, I will record some VR video that I can actually play of my Thanksgiving or of my, you know, holiday celebrations and so on or my kid's birthday party or my kid's first first steps or first sporting event or first musical, et cetera. Um, and I think that this is something which, whilst we're early to, um, you know, we'd much rather be early than late, and it's also something which we're trying to democratize, uh, 360 video and VR. You know, one of the things I wanted to, to mention before we kind of wrap up is that, you know, you're enabling a whole new generation of smartphone users here, and the the – the refreshing nature in which you're speaking and the way you're approaching it is something that is quite commendable. And it's so rare these days to hear that from any corporation, let alone somebody who is going after a duopoly like that. Well, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. Um, you know, obviously our device is available today in Canada and the U S uh, through multiple channels. We are selling unlocked versions of the phone, um, that work on any carrier and you can pick those up uh, at TELUS stores in Canada. You can pick up Sprint versions in the U.S. and Sprint stores. You can also get unlocked versions at Best Buy, Amazon, or Essential.com. Um, we look forward to hearing our users' feedback at any time. We respond to that feedback. You know, improving our camera software um, in the first month of launch was a great example of that. Yep. But we, we listen to our users every two weeks. We do a Reddit AMA every two weeks, and we listen to all the feedback we get 
uh, directly to myself, Andy, to our customer care team. And so I just say watch this space. We're going to bring out uh, delightful things, I think, as frequently as we can. We're very much a company that's trying to show consumers what the people are like that are kind of crafting, developing, and innovating here. And so you'll notice on our website, you know, we put all, all 110, 20 people at our company are proudly on the website. You know, we don't hide who works here and, and, and what we all do. And this is because we're both confident that everybody who's working here wants to be here and won't get poached, but also because we think that what's been lost in consumer electronics in some ways has been, you know, show, showing all the people in the process. And so you'll see that on our social media channels, we're, we're very confident about showing not only, you know, myself and Andy, but, but everybody who's designed the product, whether or not you're 25 years old or 55 years old, um, you know, are very much showcased. Um, so we appreciate the time. Uh, we hope you can help us spread the word, and we look forward to speaking to you again in, in due course. We, we, we look forward to actually speaking to you again, and, and I didn't go into more detail on the phone itself because I want to spend more time with it, and I want to do it more justice and actually be able to give our, our listeners a, a, a larger, more broader perspective on the device itself, and I look forward to talking to you more in the near future. And again, Happy New Year, and thank you so much for joining us. Your Tech Report will be right back. It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.